Thank you, Lord, for condescending to us and being here. There's nowhere else we'd rather be than in your presence, Lord. In your presence is fullness of joy. We were made for you. We'll spend all eternity with you, Lord. You put eternity in our hearts and nothing else but an eternity with you will satisfy that longing that you put in our hearts that so many look to other things to fill that will never satisfy them. Things that are vain, empty, fleeting, as is everything with the things of this world, Lord. But Lord, you are everlasting. You are an eternal God. And Lord, I thank you that you're calling us to see where true worth lies, what we should value the most, Lord, and that's you above all things. So Lord, I pray you'll draw our hearts. I pray, God, you would do in us through your word what you're wanting to do this morning. You're wanting to draw us just like we heard this morning. You're wanting deeper intimacy. You're wanting us to know the deeper things of God, the things of of you, of your nature, the realities of our salvation, the hope that you have instilled in our hearts, Lord, so that we could rise above our lives in this world, so that our time here can be spent to glorify you, to point others to you, so that we can be like Paul, caught up with a desire to be with you, but it's needful to be here to give you to others, Lord. God, I pray you would just stir that in us. And use everything in our lives to draw us to you, Lord. So God, speak to us through your word. Have your way in our hearts this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. The title of my message this morning is, Let Patience Have Its Perfect Work. And I want to subtitle it with, Surrender. Surrender your thorn to God. Surrender your thorn to God. And you'll see what I mean in a moment here. There's something in all of us that plagues us. And I want you to think about this from the very beginning of the message. Because I want you to start allowing the Holy Spirit maybe to put his finger on some things. And so when I am talking about a thorn, I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about a besetting sin that just plagues you, that you've been pleading with God to remove. I'm talking about possibly a weakness, possibly an infirmity, possibly just a need that just seems like it won't go away. Or a circumstance. That is hindering you, you feel like, from following God. Because you've made a choice to follow God. God spoke to you in those meetings a month and a half ago. But you're not finding maybe the reality of that happening now that the mountaintop is over. I had a sense maybe that some of you were saying, what happened? What happened to that fire? What happened to what God deposited in me? Well, you just lost sight of your need, probably, or you're trying to do it in your own strength. We need to learn how to let patience have its work in our lives. And it's something we're going to have to learn, especially in the days we're heading into. This is going to be vital for any believer in the days we are heading into. So I'm going to start off in James, but then we're going to go over uh, to 2 Corinthians. Uh, But let's start here in James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren. 
Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So count it all joy. What would be the opposite of counting it all joy? Complaining? Murmuring? Questioning God? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to deal with this? Why are you doing this to me? Why won't you take this away? Is the opposite of, Lord, thank you. You're good. I love you. I trust you. I thank you for what you're producing in my life. I thank you, God, that you know what I need, not what I want. I'm still learning this. But there's something beautiful when we surrender to that command. In the midst of that thorn, that thing that just plagues us, it seems, that just won't go away. Again, whether it's a need, a circumstance, a weakness, an infirmity, counter all joy. Instead of seeing it as an obstacle, see it as an opportunity. Instead of something to pray away, see it as something to rejoice in. Surrender to them. Trust in the sovereignty of God. He's either sovereign or he's not. Everything filters through his hands or it doesn't. He's in perfect control or he isn't. If we believe in the sovereignty of God, but also trust in his goodness. That there's a good, merciful God behind everything that he does, even when it seems cruel, even when it seems hard, even when you don't understand. There's a merciful creator, a merciful God behind the scenes, working everything out for your good if you'll let him. If you'll let him. We have to surrender. Because he has the best in mind for you and me. Romans 8.28 says, We know, not we hope, or maybe we know. We know that all things, that means the good, the bad, and the ugly. All things work together for good to just anybody, those who love him. Those who see a sovereign, merciful God behind everything are not able to give thanks to him and to trust him and to obey him in the midst of it. And to obey him means to rejoice because he tells us to do it. To those who love him, God, to those who are called according to his purpose, he has a plan. His plan is the only plan that is going to go forth in the earth. The devil isn't having his day. The world isn't having its day. God's plan is unfolding. And he calls us, his people, to be part of that plan, especially in the days we are living. He's calling a people unto himself. He's calling a people to believe. He's saying, when I return, will I find faith? People that really believe me. People that are counting it joy. People that understand I'm in control. People that understand I'll use everything in their life to perfect them and to establish them and to use them in this hour. Because the grumblers don't make it through the wilderness. We have to learn to give thanks and see God's hand in everything, for his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What the enemy of your soul will do when 
there's a thorn, when there's a trial in your life, he will do everything in his power to get you to curse God. Just like Job's wife. There'll be a voice speaking in your ear. God's not good. People might say to you, well, my God wouldn't allow that. Well, that's because he's the God of your imagination, not the God of the Bible. He's there in our sufferings, in our crosses to draw us away into sin. To prevent us from doing what God has called us to do. I don't know about you, but I've been under severe attack since our special meetings. I was even told I'm setting myself up for failure because I'm believing God. No, this is for his name's sake. And to believe and trust in his promises, that does not setting yourself up for failure. God's looking for such people in this hour that no matter what it looks like, no matter what you feel like, God's not a liar. God does what he says. No matter what it looks like, that's the problem sometimes. We have to understand our afflictions, everything we go through is in God's hands. They're intended to improve his graces in our lives. They're intended uh, to purify the gold, our faith. So it's tried, it's proven, it stands in the hour of trial. It it goes on, the testing of our faith produces patience. A better word would be endurance. Steadfast endurance. We're going to need that. We're going to need to know how to endure. We're going to need to know how to run the race. Not grow weary, not give up. But like Paul, finish the race God has set before us. No matter what comes our way. Hebrews 10 says, Therefore, in verse 35, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward for you. I have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry, and the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So let patience have its perfect work in you, in me. Surrender to God's hand. Stay on the potter's wheel. Don't be like a clay that would somehow say to the potter, what are you doing with me? And, and seek to get off the potter's wheel. We read about this in Isaiah and Jeremiah. God is forming something. God is creating something. God is molding. But we got to stay on the wheel. We can't pull ourselves out of the fire. He's producing something. He's wanting to produce something. He's wanting you to be perfect. And complete, lacking nothing. That's the goal. In other words, all of God's graces, all of God's power, that that really is what those of us who are being saved understand about the gospel. It is the power of God. The message of the cross, it is the power of God. Just standing here with my pastor this week from New York, remembering the life my wife and I came out of, remembering the hell and the insanity and the bondage I lived in, yet here I am today, here we are today, is a miracle. It's something the world cannot explain. 
where we are transformed from something we were into something he is. That's the the depths of the riches of the knowledge of our salvation. It's just how does God take wretched sinners and conform them into the image of Christ? Only God can do that. That's the power of the gospel. That's the greatest power there is. Transformed into his likeness. Second Peter 1, 3, talks of, talking about this power, says his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you and I may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Again, changing us into his likeness, separating us out of the corruption of this world for his use. Right? He's called us out. He's promised to cleanse us of all of our idols. We are his vessels. He's promised to put his spirit in us, to to give us the ability, the power to live a crucified life, to allow the life of Christ to, to be displayed through our lives, to be effective witnesses. And he's given us a mission to go. To make disciples. So count it all joy instead of murmuring over trials and temptations instead of seeing them like obstacles or something to pray away, rejoice in them. This is out of uh, a book called Rescue Me from uh, Glenn Meldrum. And I think a lot of the problem in America, in the church in America, is we really believe that God's ultimate goal is to make us happy. And that's not his goal. Listen to what it says here. When Christians make happiness and prosperity the goal of life, they have allowed the world to define their faith. This will cause us to view suffering as an obstacle to our fulfillment of that desire, rather than a catalyst to conform us into the image of Christ. Now, you can say, I was a thorn in my wife's flesh many years ago. And she wrestled with, God, why would you allow me to go through this? Why didn't you show me what kind of guy this guy was that I married? Because she thought she married a nice Christian guy that, yeah, still had some issues, but she had no clue the depths of my sin and the blackness of my heart. I was definitely a Second Timothy 3 guy. I had a form of godliness, but inside I was evil. And it all came out. And she could have very easily, and she did, struggle at times. Lord, why? Why would you allow this in my life? Friends even told her, God wouldn't want you to go. To, he has something better for you. Leave this guy. God's got something better. Oh, he did have something better, but it wasn't another guy. It was Jesus. And it wasn't until she learned to thank God for the trial and to let it draw her to him that she found the secret of letting patience have its perfect work. The secret of surrendering to the thorn. Instead of praying it away, which is a lot of times is what we want to do. I just want this over. Just get this out of my life. And God's saying, no, actually, I'm allowing this. Because everything goes is filtered through my hands. I, I knew all about Jeff. I knew everything you would go through. And I saw your cry to know me. So this is how I'm doing it. Uh, what? 
yeah, he wants us to know him. He wants us to be utterly dependent on him and to know his grace and his power resting upon us. But guess what? We don't understand our need for that outside of him having to allow thorns and trials in our lives. Those are the very things he use, uses to bring about his greatest purpose in our lives, to know him, to be like him, to have his power and grace resting upon our lives. So we want to be more like Christ, right? I've been praying a lot. Lord, close me with humility. Okay. <laughs> we want to be like Christ, right? Who here doesn't want to be like Jesus? All right, good, right? We all want to be like Jesus, right? We want to walk in his power. We want his life to be manifested to a dying world, don't we? Well, how did Paul say that happens? As we die daily, his life is manifested through us. Not as we live a happy, prosperous life in this world, getting everything we want. See how God's blessing me? So for that to happen, really, we have to learn the secret of letting patience have its perfect work. So we're going to go over now to 2 Corinthians 12 to look at how God did this in the Apostle Paul's life. Now, I'm going to read starting here in verse 1, and just a little backdrop here. Paul is talking like in the third person, but really he's talking about himself that, you know, You'll see basically what he talks about, but he had a powerful experience with the Lord. I guess you can call it a mountaintop experience. And so he's talking about that, but then he shares what God had to use to keep his head from getting so big that he couldn't walk out that back door, but to keep him humble, to keep him dependent so that the grace of God and the power of God can rest on his life because God had a plan for Paul. And God understood, this guy needs me. <laughs> so I'm going to help him see his need for me. So I'll start here in verse 1. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, I'm just going to side note right here. Be careful of these videos you watch on YouTube about these people that go to heaven and all that. Because if the Apostle Paul was brought up and he's, he's basically saying, listen, I can't even utter what I saw there. Why is it all these people have all these revelations and experiences in heaven when the Apostle Paul doesn't even share it in Scripture? We got to be careful. Let the Bible describe what heaven and hell is like, not some experience somebody had. And I'm not saying none, or they're all wrong or whatever, but I'm just saying we need to be careful. But Paul had a powerful experience, inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will not boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone would think me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Do you see how Paul is constantly lowering himself instead of exalting himself? So then he goes on in verse 7, But lest I be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger from Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, we really don't know what that was. Possibly what he spoke about in Galatians 4, 
verse 13, where he says, you know that because of physical infirmity, infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first, at my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God. So he had something that possibly people could use against him and reject his authority, his apostleship, because here's the guy that proclaims the gospel, the power of God that I hear heals people, and this is him? You understand how in our economy that just wouldn't fit right, but yet God allows it. God allows it, and Paul embraces it. You did not reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So possibly it was his eyes. I mean, he was blinded by God. I don't know. Maybe he never fully recovered. I don't know. But we understand from Scripture, Paul had many afflictions. Trials, many infirmities that we read about. And I'm sure he dealt with a messenger from Satan, like I said, that was there constantly. Oh, so you're a man of God? So why is this happening? Why is that happening? Look at you. Anybody relate to that? Oh, so you're going to follow God? Oh, you're believing God for this? Well, look at your life. A messenger from Satan. And a lot of times it's through people. I hate to say that. And a lot of times I hate to say it's through Christians. You don't deserve this. You deserve something better. Just leave them. A messenger from Satan. That's not God's will. God is a restorative God. No matter what's happened, as we witnessed earlier, that's the God of the Bible. And he's able to do above and beyond what we're able to think or imagine. I mean, in our lives, there's so many other testimonies in here. I look out, I know a lot of you, your testimonies. You're a miracle. All of you. Satan, whether through people or in his own mind, or in our own minds, I should say, tries to capitalize on our trials. And what's his goal? Discourage us and get us to give up. Remember we went through Nehemiah and all the oppositions they faced because God had spoken to them about rebuilding the wall. And what happened right away? The enemy reared his head. What are you Jews going to do? Whatever you try to do, if a fox goes on, it'll just fall down. Who do you think you are? Why did I teach through that? Because I knew after that weekend, the devil was going to rear his ugly head. Oh, so you think you're going to go after God? Really? We'll see. So Paul pleaded with God. There's nothing wrong with praying to the Lord. He pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart. I've been there. I'm going to share my heart with you a little bit. Sometimes I'm envious of my wife. She has a gift in putting a talk together. It, it just amazes me how she can lay something out and, you know, just all laid out perfectly. And I'm like, how do you do that? My mind don't work that way. I struggle preparing messages. I go through, I go through it. I'll just say that. And yesterday was one of those days. Just hours and hours and praying and going down on the prayer trail and studying and just, it's in my mind, but I don't know how to lay it out. My mind just doesn't 
And at one point, like, God, take this away from me. Why would you call me to be a pastor? Why would you call me to preach and not help me? Come on. I went to bed in that. And I got up at 2.30. And I've learned. (laughs) He's faithful. So I got up and I said, God, I'm not doing nothing. I'm not studying. I'm praying. And he dropped this in my heart. He reminded me of a scripture he gave me from that weekend. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is perfected in your weakness. And he said to me, why are you telling me to take this thorn away? If you were gifted like Rose, you'd be the most prideful man in the world. You probably wouldn't even seek me for your messages. I got you just where I want you because now you understand. Unless I help you, it's not happening. We all have thorns. We all have things that we just wish God would take away. Or maybe we're envious of others. Lord, why? Because that's your thorn. Because I'm making you more like me and I'm teaching you. It's not about you. It's not about your strengths, your talents, your abilities. Remember the other verses he gave us in Corinthians? Who does he choose? The things that are not, the things that are nothing, the things that are despised. Why? To confound the wise. Why did Paul say, you know, you know, I, when I came to you, I was in fear and in trembling. Oh, maybe he couldn't even see. I don't know. But he understood something. I need God's help. This has to be the Spirit of God. Otherwise, if, if I'm this way or I'm that way, I'm going to draw attention to me, and that's the last thing I want. I want people's faith to be in God. And that should be all of our desire and heart, that through our weaknesses, through what he allows in our life to make us desperate, to help us understand, Lord, I can't do anything without you. I need you. And it draws us to him into that intimacy where we let him reveal who he is. I've been going through uh, Tozer's book on the attributes of God. It's been wonderful just reading about who God is, all the different aspects of his nature, understanding he's not like me. He's everlasting. He's omnipotent. He's immutable. He doesn't change. He's all-powerful. I can trust him. He's eternal. It's been awesome. Why don't we just see it without God having to put these thorns in our lives because it's in our nature it's part of the fall part of the fall was i don't need you god i got this i can be my own god i have my own ability and the world is in the same thing now you guys need to understand what's going on in our world this new this new transhumanism have you heard about that well they just signed a bill in the White House, promoting this. And it's already in the works. It's where they're taking humans and AI and they're interfacing them. And the goal is, and they say it right there in the forum, that we could live forever. We can be like God. They use these words. And it's happening. But it's the same lie. It hasn't changed from the beginning. I don't need God. And it's still in us. We think somehow there's something in us that we don't need God for. But reality is we can't breathe without him. It's just the mercy of God we're breathing. 
Because he's the one that sustains all things by his power. If it wasn't for God, the whole universe would just fling out of control. We'd be gone. He earnestly sought God. You know what our problem is? Sometimes we focus too much on getting rid of the thorn rather than seeing it from the loving hand of God. When I surrendered this morning, it was all over. God just showed up. I I don't know how else to say it to you. And that's all he was after, just surrender. What, What are you doing? I got this. Why are you fighting me? Why are you complaining? You forget who I am? You forget? Look back. So what does God say to him? How does God answer his prayer? God said to me, he says in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes that's not the answer we want. Uh, I went to a minister one time. I felt like I was at the end of my rope. You ever feel like that? Like, I'm just going to snap any second. I'm done. So I went to this minister, an older man, wise man, and I'm thinking, he's, he's going to tell me something that's going to get me through this. So, I'm like, so I was like, Doug, man, I just feel like I can't go on. I'm just at the end of my rope, you know, and I'm waiting for this real encouraging word. He says, well, brother, I've learned from experience. When you feel that way, you're only halfway there. And he goes, you need to learn how to despair happily. And I'm like, what? In other words, count it all joy. God's doing something. He's just teaching you something. Not what I wanted to hear, but it's something I never forgot. I never forgot that. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, so now the therefores is our part. This is our part in it, the therefores, okay? Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon you. Who wants the power of Christ resting upon them? Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord, right? Then rejoice in your infirmities. That's not what I want. I want the thorn to be removed. Listen, whether we're suffering from pain, whether it's depression, sickness, whether it's a relationship, um, we tend to concentrate on ourselves. We just do. And here's the danger. We can get angry at God and bitter at God. Hebrews talks about that. Very dangerous, a root of bitterness. God, why? Why won't you take this away? We get angry with God when our expectations of life and happiness seem unfulfilled. You're not giving me what I want. Yet all the while we ignore the overcoming power of the infinite indwelling Christ. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. God wants you. He wants us to know the power of his grace and his power in the midst of trials and suffering. He wants you to know the all in Christ. All you have in Christ. He wants you to understand that. He wants, he needs you and I to learn to patiently endure so that we will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, all the promises, all that Jesus already done for us is ours. It's there for us. Our problem is we don't go and take it by faith because we think somehow we don't need him in everything. So he goes on. Therefore, I will most gladly boast in my infirmities. So that's our part. I'll boast of my infirmities. The thorn you have chosen to leave, I will see as a reason to rejoice. I had to do that this morning. I had to choose to thank God that this is what drives me to him. Thank you, Lord. 
because I know that your power will rest upon me. Here's something he taught me early on in ministry. All I'm looking for is willing vessels. That's all God needs, an empty vessel that he can empower and work through. He had to get his disciples to that place where they understood it, that they didn't have the strength, they didn't have the power to do what he called them to do. So he allowed things in their lives. He got them to that place where he would simply let his promise be fulfilled in them. And that's what God is doing. He's trying to teach us. So let's boast in our infirmities. God knows the things in our lives that would cause us to be proud or self-sufficient. Things that would lead us out of total dependence on him. We need to see those thorns as a blessing in disguise because it keeps us in that place of poverty of spirit where we learn the secret of his power toward us who believe. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure, and he expands it out now. So it's not just this thorn, this infirmity. He says, in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, when I am weak, he is strong. So in all those things, Rejoice. Needs. Lord, it just seems like I'm always struggling. I never have enough to pay my bills, it feels like. Man, my neighbor, he just seems to have everything, and they, they don't even know God. Well, he's teaching you to live on the manna day by day. He's teaching you to live by faith because we're going to need it someday. Maybe sooner than later. Whatever it is. These are all thorns he allows. Paul learned this by experience, by surrendering to God's process of perfecting and establishing him in the faith. We're going to have to learn this. This is going to be very, very important. So I don't know, the sense I got when I was praying this morning is that everyone here has a thorn or thorns that God is wanting you to surrender. In other words, he's saying, stop praying it away. You're missing out on what I'm trying to do for you and how I'm trying to help you. And you have to lay it down. You have to stop asking me to take this away. And you need to embrace it, and you actually need to thank me for it. Whatever that is, and I want you to be thinking and asking God to show you what is it Lord again it's not a sin it's something about yourself it's something that you struggle with that you feel like hinders you it's a situation it could be a relationship it could be a circumstance you're in that you just want to go away and God is saying this morning embrace it it's from me Count it all joy. Start thanking me for it. And let me produce in you what I'm wanting to produce. We're going to need to learn this. To let patience have its perfect work in us. I'm telling you, we're going to need to learn these things. So count it all joy instead of murmuring. Surrender. Trust in the sovereignty of God. Because the testing of your faith is producing endurance. But let per patience have its perfect work. God gave us a promise. I'm going to read it. Rob read it. I'm going to read it again. This is in Ezekiel 36. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. I could say in this nation. Which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed or sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations. I will gather you out of all countries. I will bring you into your own land. I will bring you. I am taking you where I want to take you. If you're responding, if you hear me calling, I'm taking you to my desired place for you. 
Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And those idols are the other things we look to and depend on other than God. Mostly ourselves. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statues. In other words, I will give you the power. I will give you the strength to do the things I've called you to do, to change you, to make you more and more like me, to let you be an effective witness. I will do these things because it's by my spirit and by my power, not yours. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments to do them. So I'm going to end it with this. Do we really believe God has spoken to us? Do you believe God has spoken to you? Do you believe his promises to you? That all that is, even though it's speaking there of the children of Israel, that's the new covenant. It's what God promises us. I'm standing on that. I believe God for that. I know what God can do. I'm the one that hinders him when I try to do it in the flesh, when I look to myself, when I don't allow the things that he uses in my lives to drive me to him. Do we really believe what God has spoken? Even though the thorn is still there, whatever that is for you, Whatever that is for you, do you still believe him? Paul had to believe him. Paul had to believe God's answer. I'm leaving the thorn, Paul. I'm leaving the thorn. But my grace will be sufficient for you. My power will rest upon you. Do you believe that? You have to have faith in God for that. And the way you show that faith is by surrendering that thorn. By beginning to thank God for it. So that's how I want to close today. I want today to be a defining moment for some of you. And maybe you've talked to God about whatever it is. Maybe he's speaking to you about this morning. But there comes a time where we have to, by an act of our will, determine. Paul says in different places, I determined. That's an act of our will. I have determined to rejoice, to surrender to this thorn, whatever it is, or thorns, so that God's grace and power can be manifested in my life, so that that promise he gave us can be fulfilled in my life. So there's something that God wants you to stop pleading to remove. What thorn or thorns need to be surrendered this morning? So we're going to take a little time, and I'll just put out the different categories to you. It could be an infirmity. It could be reproaches. You know, maybe you're dealing with family or people at work or whatever for the sake of Christ. It could be needs, persecutions, some kind of distress, which could be indicative of a circumstance. Whatever it is, it's all because you've chosen to follow Christ. God is speaking to you today. Will you surrender that to me? Will you embrace it? Will you begin to thank me for it so that my grace and my power can rest upon your life? And I'll just tell you, just, just add a testimony. I'm, I'm very thankful that a lot of the times when God gives me a message for you, he makes me go through it. He just does. And I, couldn't, I didn't understand what was going on yesterday. I felt like my body just shut down. I don't even know. You ever feel like so tired you can't even like mouth prayers? I mean, I tried everything. 
I went down, and all I could do was just sit. I would try and read. My eyes were burning out of my head. I was like, what is wrong with me? Weak. I felt so weak. And then this morning, he spoke to me. And I'm just telling you, the minute I surrendered, the minute I started thanking him, everything, it was like life came into me. It was like my mind woke up. I can't even describe it to you. And, and, I, and, I, and I started laughing, like, God, you're, you're I, I even said it to Rose. I said, man, the Lord is, he just cracks me up. The way he works with us. He's there, people. He's waiting. He wants to reveal himself to you. But you got to start seeing those things that you think are bad or you just want away. It's him. He's trying to bring you to that place where you tap in to his grace and his power. So, Lord, I do pray right now for anyone here, Lord. I The sense I got... That you said this morning there was people here that had a thorn and they've been pleading with you, Lord. It's just there all the time. But Lord, your word to them this morning is my grace is sufficient. My power is perfected in your weakness. Whatever that is, Lord. And I just pray uh, you would reveal that or if you haven't already, Lord, but you would give the grace to anyone here to lay it down, to embrace it, to agree with you, to trust that you know what you're doing, Lord, and to learn to rejoice and thank you for it, Lord. And I pray as they do that, your grace, they would find the reality of that grace and the reality of your power manifested in their lives. So, Lord, I thank you, and I just ask you now to do that, Lord for all of us. Thank you, Lord. So if there's anyone here this morning, you want to come forward, you want to, as an act of your will, whatever that is, whatever that thorn is, you want to embrace it. You're going to stop seeing it as a hindrance and just see it as a blessing and Start thanking God and letting it draw you near, draw, draw you to him. And I'm going to believe that God's going to meet you this morning. And you're going to see his power be manifested in your life through it. The very thing you thought was a hindrance, God's begin to display his, his power in it.